feel like I have a message from the Lord today, hopefully every time, but sometimes there's just a little sense there's something else to it. I feel like it is right in line with where we are, what we are singing, what God is wanting to do. I think God wants to do some significant things in some hearts and lives here today, and I believe the Word will be a part of that. You may be seated, actually. I will read some verses in a moment. I'm actually completely old school today. I have a Bible and I have printed notes because my iPad died last night. Battery died, so... I was trying to calculate, I started to calculate in my head this morning how long I had been preaching and I was thinking that in the 18 years I have been, oh wait a minute, the 28 years that I have been preaching. But I don't think I've ever done this in 28 years of preaching. I would rather try and miss than not having tried and missed. So, Sister Sherry Hemus, if for nobody else, I feel like the Lord has given me something to communicate to you today. And Sister Hemus are leaving Tuesday, finished up their travels and headed back to England, their place of calling and ministry and Amongst a lot of different things, Sister Hemus is leaving behind a mother who is dealing with Alzheimer's, right? And uh, every time they see her just in a several-month span, they recognize changes in her. So, Sister Hemus, not so much perhaps for today, but I hope the Lord would put something in your spirit for the days to come. Most of you, if you've heard anything about the Bible, you've heard of, you know, there's people we've heard of, there's certain individuals we've heard of, and one of those is Job. Job has a a uh, very amazing story, if you will. I Perhaps there is somebody in the history of time that has experienced a worse day than Job experienced, but I I think Job is one of the founders in the club, if not still the president. And if you by chance don't know Job's story, I will just give you the quick summary. In one single day, in just a brief amount of time, every possession that Job had was lost. And then the icing on the cake was that seven sons and three daughters in one single accident lost their lives. That, my friend, is a bad day. And I think most could handle the loss of all the possessions if at the end of the day you still had those things that you value the most. And surely today we all value the people in our lives, above any possession that we may have in our lives. And so, the book of Job is, it's, it's an amazing book because it 
sort of gives us the journey. It shows us, it shows us the, 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 the experience that Job had from start of the loss of everything to finish, which the finish was God gave it all back. I challenge somebody today to not give up to think that your future can only be what your present is. That God has a way of turning things around no matter how dark it may be. God has the power and the ability to intervene in your life and and cause the end to be greater than the beginning. Job has his trial and uh, his his wife, the, 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 the one that did not die, his wife who should have been his greatest source of encouragement and support, all she had to say was, why don't you just curse God and die? She did not give words of comfort and consolation. She just said, why don't you just get out of your misery and just, you know, just let God kill you and let's get this over with. And and then Job has three friends that show up. And I got to tell you, I, I have, over the last couple of years, I personally, and you may see it and others may still see it otherwise, but I really have changed my opinion. Job has three friends that show up, they have come, according to Scripture, they came to comfort him. And as they arrive and they see his condition, they are so overwhelmed by it, or it appears they are so overwhelmed by it, that they they spend seven days in silence. I used to say they sat there staring out of judgment and criticism, but based on the fact they came to comfort him, I think they were just so overwhelmed by the circumstances, they didn't know what to say. Some of you ought to learn the lesson that sometimes it's better to say nothing. Some folks think somebody's just got to say something. Believe me, sometimes silence is better. And then when they finally do start speaking again, I have always sort of said they were judgmental and critical and and looking down on him, but based again on the fact they came to comfort him, I think they were doing the best they could from their human perspective to come up with some kind of explanation and solution to what Job was going through. So if you want to continue to believe they were just judging and criticizing him, that's, that's your prerogative and maybe, maybe you're right and I'm wrong, but, but again, when I go to the reason why they came, all they knew to say was, what their frame of reference was and what their knowledge was. And so, like many of us, when trouble comes, our first go-to is, man, you must have done something really bad. And so, the book of Job, I 42 chapters, I think, is the length of the book. You get to chapter 23 which is not exactly the middle of the book, but it's right after the halfway point. And after several discourses between Job's friends and Job, in chapter 23, in verse number 1, it says this, that 
Job answered and said, Even today is my complaint bitter, my stroke is heavier than my groaning. I am just overwhelmed today with all that has gone on, all that has been going on. And then verse 3 is something I think many today could perhaps relate to. Job says, and I wish somehow, I, I don't think I could do it, but I wish somehow as we read this verse that you could sort of imagine the cry and the groan, the depths of the groan based on the condition that Job was in. Oh, that I knew where I might find him. Oh, that I knew where God was. If I could just somehow find God, I would come to his seat. I would order my cause before him and fill my mouth with arguments. I would know the words which he would answer me and understand what he would say unto me. Will he plead against me with his great power? No, but he would put strength in me. There the righteous might dispute with him, so should I be delivered forever from my judge. I, if I could just find God. Anybody ever been there? Anybody there? Oh God, if I could just, I know you're out there somewhere. I'm not questioning whether or not you are. I'm not questioning whether or not you exist. But my, my problem is, I just can't find you. And if I could just find you, we, we could have a conversation. And I know that it would be a good outcome to that conversation. Verse number 8, he says, Behold, I go forward, but... He is not there. And backward, but I cannot perceive him. On the left hand, where he doth work. Let me, let me, let me paraphrase that. I go to church where I know God's gonna be. I go to church where I know the Spirit of God is going to move and I look around and I see Him working, but I can't find Him. Anybody ever been there before? Am I, am I, am I off base this morning? Anybody ever just felt like in the midst of your trial, if I could just somehow get to church... If I could just somehow get to the house of God and God would, God will be there. I know I can get what I need and you finally get there and it's as if God is a million miles away. Except to add injury to, in, to add insult to injury, you look around at others that you can tell, not from spiritual discernment, but from physical observation, they are getting something from God. And so you say, God, what's up with that? Maybe it's somebody you know fairly well, and you know what they're going through is nowhere near as bad as what you're going through, and they're getting something, and you can't find a drop. 
You're kind of like the rich man in hell. God, I just need one drop. Just one drop. I, I don't need a, I don't need to guzzle down a bucket full of your presence. I just need a drop. I go where he's working and I can't find him. He hideth himself on the right hand that I cannot see him. I've looked everywhere I know to look. I've gone everywhere I know to go. And I can't find him. Verse 11 says, My foot has held his steps. His way have I kept. I can't find God anywhere, and yet I am still moving in the right direction. I can't get an answer from God. I can't get a response from God. But I'm not giving up. I'm not quitting. I I can't seem to get God to show up in my world. But I'm not going to turn back. My feet have held His steps. I preach to some people like that today. You've been through some seasons where you just can't seem to find Him. But something inside of you says, My feet are going to still hold His steps. And I'm still going to keep his way even if I can't find out where he is neither have I gone back from the commandment of his lips I have esteemed the words of his mouth more than my necessary food going back to verse number 10 actually before I go to verse 10 Job I Maybe I will read a little bit of it. Listen to going backing up a little bit in the book of Job of chapter 3 and verse 1. Anybody ever let off a little bit of steam with God? If you haven't, then I, I don't understand. I know a few people that said they just flat out cussed at God. I don't, I don't get that. I don't. If you're one of the ones that I, I don't understand that, you're still living, so I, but I'm telling you, there's a lot of things I've said to God. And I'm just going to say I don't think I'd be too proud of the fact if I actually did. But I, I've let off some steam a few times. <laughs> but l- listen, I don't think any of us have ever done it as eloquently and as well as Job did. After this, this is another encounter from one of his friends, Job opened his, or excuse me, I think this is right after all of his trial. Job opened his, Job opened his mouth and cursed his day. And Job spake and said, let the day perish wherein I was born and the night in which it was said there is a man child. Let the, let my birth date be wiped off the calendar. Let the day be darkness. Let not God regard it from above. Neither let the light shine upon it. Let the darkness and the shadow of death stain it. Let a cloud dwell upon it. Let the blackness of the day terrify it. As for that night, let darkness seize upon it. Let not be joined unto the days of the year. Let it not come into the number of my... God, this is so overwhelming. I wish I would have never seen the light of day. 
So back to chapter 23, and he's, he's looked everywhere he can look. Verse number 10. And Sister Hemus, here's the crux of it. Verse number 10 is where the, the fulcrum is. That everything he's just expressed, if he could find God, and then the fact that his steps are still going to hold God's way, here is what it all hinges on. But he knows the way that I take. And when he has tried me, I shall come forth as gold. The two words that is what everything Job did hinged on was simply the fact he knows. I know, I know, I'm sorry. That's not the answer some of you want to hear today. That's not the solution to your world that you've come to hear. But I believe I've come with a message from the Lord today for somebody to get a hold of the fact that He knows. He knows. He knows what you are facing. He knows what you are going through. He knows the details of the circumstances that you are in. He knows the challenges of what you are facing. He knows. Not used to this paper stuff. Where is it? Somewhere in here. thought I had another translation. He knows. I wish somebody would just simply, you don't have to yell it, scream it out loud. I, but I wish somebody would just say, He knows. He knows. He knows. He knows. He knows. You may not be able to find Him. You may not be recognizing His presence right now. It may seem like He's a million miles away, but He knows. He hasn't forgotten. He hasn't forsaken. He hasn't abandoned. The pulpit commentary says with the, with the consequences of God knowing, He says, if God knows our way, we have not to travel like Columbus over untried seas. The whole route has been mapped out by God. We cannot be lost if He knows our way and is our guide. If He knows where I am and knows where I'm going. If somehow I can do as Job said and cause my feet to still hold His step. My way is not lost and I am not forsaken and I have not been abandoned. He knows. Oh, somebody, would you please get a hold of the fact today that when you come to church and you can't feel Him, when you pray and He does not answer, when you fast and He, I don't know about if you've ever done it, but I've gone into a season of fasting just thinking, if I'll, if I'll fast, Brother Hemus, when it's said and done, I know God will do something then. And I get all the way through it and all I end up feeling like I did was lose a little bit of weight. 
And in fact, I feel like at the end of it, God is farther from me than before because it's one thing for God to seem far away when I know I have really put no effort into finding Him. Oh, Jesus. It's one thing when I can't seem to feel Him, but I also know, you know what, I really haven't tried to find Him. So at least if I really haven't tried to find Him, and and then, you know... Maybe he's there. But what do you do when you decide to pursue him with everything you've got? What do you do when you go to your place of solitude to pray and you cry out? Not just with, you know, I see some people, every time they pray, they cry. Except there's no tears. Oh, Jesus. I mean, it's, it's, it's. In fact, I, I think, did I not just read it? There, there are, there are groans. There are sighs. You don't even, anybody ever been to the point where the, the words weren't there, but the, gro- the groans, the sighs were there? Anybody ever been in that place where you just, the best you could do was, oh, Jesus. Oh, Jesus. And so you go through the effort of finding Him. You go through the effort of pursuing Him. You pour out everything you have to Him. And it's like you are in a concrete bunker and nothing is going out and nothing is getting in. At that moment, there, what you've got to recognize and believe and trust is He knows. He knows. He Knows, I'll read it in a little while, but not just knows. There's something even, it's one thing to just know. But you know what? He goes beyond knowing. He feels. He feels. Somebody needs to get a hold of the fact today that God's Lack of apparent action is not an indicator of God's absence. And it's not an indicator of God's abandonment. He knows, is it the prophet Isaiah, I think, that says he is engraven. He's engraving you on the palms of his hand. He, he knows. He knows. Sister Krieger, he knows. Sister Feldkamp, he knows. He knows. I gotta be, I wish I could tell you more than that today. My flesh wishes I could tell you more than that, but my spirit knows I can tell you nothing greater than that. Because if I trust and believe, and as my daughter so wonderfully said, and what an amazing compliment to receive as a father, but as my, as my daughter says, if you, if you know a father, if you know a good father, And then if you trust the heart of the Father, 
there is peace to know that he is going to do what is best for me. And if he is not doing anything or doesn't seem to be doing anything right now, it is not because he doesn't care. It is not because he has neglected or abandoned me, but it is because there is a purpose that he sees that I might not be able to see. And the thing I have got to hold on to is no matter how far away he may seem, he knows. I don't know what you're facing today and some of you are facing some difficult situations and circumstances. I've come to tell you as simple as it is, He knows. Preacher, if He knows, why isn't He doing anything? If He knows, why isn't He answering my prayer? Because as Job said, there is something greater going on than just me being able to have an encounter with Him and get things fixed out, fixed the way I want them fixed but when he gets done when he gets done if I can just keep my feet holding his steps when he gets done I'm not going to be destroyed I'm not going to be abandoned I'm not going to be cast down but when he gets done I'm going to come forth as gold Nathan, I don't want to put you on the spot or embarrass you today. I don't know what the latest are. I've heard a little bit from Brother Whaley. But I'm telling you today, Nathan, God knows. He knows. He knows. He knows. He knows. It's a normal reaction as Job's reaction was. God, if you know, why aren't you doing something? God, if you really know, how come you're not changing my circumstances? If you really know, how come you're not fixing my problem? Because not only does he know where I am, he also knows what I need. And sometimes the fulfillment of my need is not to get me out of what I'm in, but to take me through it all the way to the other side. For the sake of time, I won't read the King James and then read other translations. I'll just read it in another translation, which is some language that's a little more common to us today. But would you listen to what the psalmist said in Psalms 139 and verse 1? O Lord, you have examined my heart and know everything about me. He says that even the very hairs of our head are numbered. I have to tell you, for years I I, I heard that and and there was my reaction was kind of like, okay, that's nice, but whatever. So you know how many hairs are on my head. What is the significance of that? And several years ago I I did one of those sleep studies. And I went to the, to the clinic, the place where I was doing it and got settled into the room where I was. And after a few minutes, the, uh, the, uh, technician or whatever came in and started hooking me up. It's kind of funny. They're there to judge your sleep and then they wrap you up in all kinds of stuff. How are you really supposed to sleep? 
Thankfully, I'm one of those ones who can sleep just about anywhere under pretty much any circumstances. So, man, they started attaching things to me all over my body, chest, legs, and arms, and head, and there's, I mean, there, there, there felt like it probably wasn't, but there felt like there was a hundred wires coming off of me. I laid down and dozed off. Several hours later, I awakened. When I awakened, that verse popped into my head. The very hairs of your head are numbered. And I went, hmm, maybe what you're trying to tell me, God, is that just as all of these monitors are connected and judging everything there is to to judge or measure or monitor just as they are monitoring i mean they're monitoring your 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 the movement of your limbs they're monitoring your heart i mean just as those are monitoring all kinds of details when you tell me that you've got the very hairs of my head numbered what you're trying to tell me is i am so intimately aware of what's going on in your life Life, that every single detail I know. There's no thought. Sometimes that's scary. <laughs> sometimes it's scary that there's no thought that escapes him, but sometimes it's nice to know that there's no thought that escapes him. Because sometimes there's some thoughts that I have that I just don't know really how to express or I'm not, I don't even have the courage to say but He is aware of what's going on in my mind He's aware of what I am feeling I don't know if I did I say I was reading from the New Living Translation if I didn't it's the New Living Oh Lord you have examined my heart and know Everything about me. You know when I sit down or stand up. You know my thoughts even when I'm far away. You see me when I travel and when I rest at home. You know. There it is again. He knows. You know everything I do. You know what I am going to say even before I say it. You go before me and follow me. You go before me and follow me. You go before me and follow me. Come here, Nathaniel. Come here, William. You follow me, please. You, you go before me. That means, oh Jesus, that means whatever I'm going to face, you face it before it gets to me. That means whatever's going to happen, it gets to you. Before it gets to me. 
And then, by the time I get to it, I'm probably not going to handle it the best. I'm probably not going to deal with it the right way all the time. I probably may even say some things, God, that I end up regret saying. So not only do you know what I'm going to face before I face it, when I deal with it, you then are behind me to pick up the messes. Oh, Jesus. The psalmist said it this way, Surely, goodness and mercy shall follow me. So when the day is done and I sit down and I think, why did I ever question you? Why did I ever accuse you? I don't have to look behind me at God who is falling behind me with the belt out ready to chastise me. But when I turn around, there is goodness and mercy that says, I not only knew what you were going to face, I knew how you were going to react, but I've also determined how I'm going to help you get through it after you face it. And not only is he following behind me, but he's got his hand on me. I don't know, maybe I'm weird. Thank you guys. Maybe I'm weird. But I've often, and, and I know he's my dad and whatever, but he's also the one I have looked up to the most in my life. If you're a guest today, my dad... Is uh, the founder, him, my mother founded this church. And I, I don't know if any of you, I don't know how many of you ever really even notice it, but as long as I can remember, he has this tendency that as he's preaching, if he's walking the aisles, he, he will often stop and just kind of, he'll put a hand on his shoulder and just kind of stand there for a few minutes with, with a hand. And, and I always, I sit up the mountain now, I mean, I've sat up there for. Almost 28 years, not 18. <laughs> but I still sit up here, and, 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 and I, I don't know, maybe it's, the, maybe it's the boy that's still somewhere down inside of me, but I'm like, you know, man, that's cool. That's cool when he just kind of stands there, and, and he just kind of... Because there, there, there is so much to me that is being communicated by that. And so when he is in front of me and he is behind me, but he also has a hand of blessing on me. I know sometimes we we don't feel it. We don't sense it. But according to the psalmist, it's there. And I know it's saying a bunch of things, but I think at the bottom of it all and at the the fundamental thing it's saying and perhaps the most important thing that he's saying with that hand there is, I'm, I'm with you. I'm with you. I know right where you are. I know what you're going through. I know what you've been through. You see, the only way you can have a hand on somebody's shoulder is you got to be there with them. 
The only way that you can keep a hand on somebody's shoulder is you're not texting, you're not calling, you're not even FaceTiming, but you are there. I preach to people today. I acknowledge maybe there are times that you don't feel it, but I've come to tell you that according to the Word of God, He is going in front of you, and He is following behind you, and then He has His hand upon you. He, he knows, he knows, God, if you don't fix it, I just need to know that you know. God, if you don't change what I'm going through, I just need to know that you know. If you don't turn everything around, God, I just need to know that you know. I just need to know that I may not sense it or feel it, but you're close enough to me. You are in front of me and behind me, and he's got his hand on me. Jim, he knows. Oh, Holy Ghost, help us today. I'm no longer a slave to fear. I'm a child of God, and the reason I'm not a slave to fear anymore is because He knows. Verse number 6, Such knowledge is too wonderful for me, too great for me to understand. Now listen, listen, listen to verse 7. The King James says verse 7 as a question. It says something along these lines, where can I go from His presence? Please understand, the psalmist was not trying to figure out how can I get away from God. That wasn't the point of his question. He was not trying to think, man, there's got to be a way I can get away from God. There's got to be a way I can, I can get God off my back. That's not what he was saying. What he was trying to establish was, and I will read it in a moment, but what he was trying to show was, there is absolutely no place that I have to worry about being that God won't be there with me. I can never escape from your spirit. And it's an exclamation mark. Oh, it's up there. I don't know if they had that. I wasn't looking. I can never. He wasn't saying, man, I can never get away from you. That wasn't what he was saying. He was saying, I can't ever escape from you, God. You're always going to be there. If I go to heaven, you are there. Okay. We kind of got that. What about the other place? If I go down to the grave, you are there. Anybody got a King James Bible open with? I think it's that verse. Anybody got a King James? Somebody read out verse verse number 8. Anybody, somebody. If I ascend into heaven, you're there. I, I like I like the way the King James. I, you know, I, most of the time I like the way other stuff says it, but I like the way King James says it. If I, oh, there we go. 
Good job in the sound room. If I ascend into heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in hell, anybody, you don't have to respond, but anybody feel like your bed's in hell today? He said, if I make my bed in hell, you are there. If I ride the wings of the morning, if I dwell by the farthest oceans, even there your hand will guide me and your strength will support me. I could ask the darkness to hide me and the light around me to become night, but even in darkness I cannot hide from you. To you the night shines as bright as day. Darkness and light are the same to you. You made all the delicate inner parts of my body and knit me together in my my mother's womb. Thank you for making me so wonderfully complex. Your workmanship is marvelous and all the ladies ought to really say amen to the complex part. Yeah. Okay, some of you missed what I was trying to say. And all the men by faith need to say, your workmanship is marvelous. It's sometimes overwhelming, but it's marvelous. How well, how well I know it. 26 years, how well I know it. Sorry, just a little bit of brevity there. You watched me as I was being formed in utter seclusion. Anybody really believe today that before you ever even breathe your first breath, he already knew, he already had his eye on you. You saw me before I was born. Every day of my life was recorded in your book. Not every day of my life will be recorded in your book, but every day has already been recorded. And the beauty of that is if you've already recorded it, you've already determined how you're going to get me through it. How? Oh, God. Oh, God. Not only do we struggle that he knows... Oh, there it is. It printed double-sided. I thought I had some stuff. Wow. I probably just missed half my message. That's amazing. I did, so I actually did have some verses in another translation. Oh, well. Some of us struggle that he even knows. We struggle that he even knows where we are. Look what the psalmist says beyond even knowing where we are. How precious are your thoughts about me, O God. They cannot, they can't even be numbered. I can't even count them. They outnumber the grains of sand. And when I wake up, you are still with me. Oh, Lord. God, do you even know where I am? Anybody ever had that? I've I've had the privilege of experiencing a lot of wonderful things in my life. But I'm not sure there's really anything 
that I've experienced that is any greater than standing beside that crib and looking down at that infant that belongs to me just just as they lay there peacefully sleeping. There, there is no way to even put into words the thoughts, the feel, more so the feelings, in that moment. As you look at that precious life that God has given to you. I've told this before, but standing up in the back balcony of the old building that collapsed during a manifest meeting. That was a conference, basically, we used to have here. I was standing up in the back balcony, and I was holding Timothy, and he was, he was, I don't know, I think probably somewhere in the three to six, nine-month range. Actually, probably closer to the three. And I didn't, I didn't even, I don't even recall, I didn't even, I wasn't even aware I was doing this wasn't even conscious that it was happening. But after that session, I don't remember if it was day or night, doesn't really matter, but at the conclusion of it, I, I just happened to be passing by my dad. And he stopped me and he said something I have absolutely never forgotten. He said, you know, you know that look you just had and the feelings you just had standing there holding Timothy. And again, I didn't really realize it at the moment, but when he said it, I knew what he was talking about. I said, yes, sir. He said, that's the same way that I feel about you. Wow. I could relate much more to what he was saying because I was experiencing. I'm preaching to some people today. That God is looking down, not with disdain, not with disgust, not with a scowl on His face looking at you saying, could you please just get it together? But as the psalmist says, He's looking down with thoughts that are precious and that are so many that I can't even number the thoughts. I can't even count them. They outnumber the grains of sand. And when I wake up, when I wake up, you are still with me. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside the still waters. He restoreth my soul. He leadeth me in the paths of righteousness for His name's sake. What is the way that you deal with this, David? How do you navigate what you're going through? Because even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I'm not going to fear any evil for one reason. He knows. But not just knows he is with me. I, I feel like I'm preaching to a few of you that you've got me so turned off because this is not the answer you want to hear today. 
The answer you're looking for is God waving his magical wand and all of your pumpkins turning into stagecoaches and the mice becoming beautiful horses and you ride off into the sunset in your lovely carriage. I can't tell you that today and if I promised you that today I'd be a lying preacher because I can't guarantee you that. But there is one thing I can guarantee you today with absolute certainty that I know is to be the absolute truth is that wherever you are and whatever you are going through and whatever the remainder of the journey is He knows and He's there. The Message Bible says, verse 4, this way, even when the way goes through Death Valley, I'm not afraid when you walk at my side, your trusty shepherd's crook makes me feel secure. I don't like where I am, I don't like what I'm going through, but at least knowing that you are right there with the ability to give me what I need when I need it. So Job says he knows where I am, but David says he is with me. Romans chapter 8, I'm almost done. Romans 8, verse 35. I don't have time to really expound on it, but notice please the question that Paul asks. He does not ask what. The question he asks is, who shall separate us from the love of God? And yet what he goes on to list are the what's. Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril of sword? As it is written, for thy sake we are killed all the day long. We are accounted as sheep for the slaughter. Nay, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. For I loved us, for I am persuaded that neither death nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature. There is no what that can separate us from the love of God. There is no thing that can separate us from the love of God. I think the significance of Paul asking who can separate us from the love of God is because the only thing that can separate us from the love of God is us. There is no circumstance in your life that can ever separate you. The difficulties that you're going through are not separating you from the love of God. The sickness in your body or in your family is not separating you from the love of God. The trials that you go through are not separating you from the love of God. If you have been separated from the love of God, it is because you have withdrawn yourself from that love because you think God God, how can you love me if I'm going through this? Dear God, when will we ever as believers get over the fact that circumstances have nothing to do with God's love? Then how can you say He loves me if He lets me go through all kinds of stuff? No, the thing that you know is so wonderful that lets you know He loves you is it's life and you're going to go through stuff. 
but at least to be able to know you don't have to go through it by yourself. That there is someone that knows where you are and that there is someone that is with you as you go through it. Last verses, Hebrews chapter 4 and verse number 15. King James says it this way, For we have not an high priest which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like as we are, yet without sin. Verse 15, Let us therefore, because of this, let us come boldly unto the throne of grace that we may have mercy, obtain mercy and find grace to help in the time of need. King James, in my opinion, verse 15 is a little bit hard to read because of the double negatives. Let me read a couple of other translations. We do not have a high priest who is unable to understand and sympathize. And I love this next part. Have a shared feeling with our weaknesses and infirmities and liability to the assaults of temptation. A shared, a shared feeling. A shared feeling. Weist says it like this. We do not have a high priest who is not able. Oh, let's listen. I wish, I wish this was on the screen, but I don't think we have Weist. So I'm going I'm to be deliberate here because I want you to try to get this. We do not have a high priest who is not able to enter experientially into a fellow feeling with our infirmities. I'm going to read it again. We do not have a high priest who is not able to enter experientially into a fellow feeling with our infirmities. A fellow feeling. A fellow feeling. I'm, I'm, I might as well finish and either finish missing it really good or finish and not having missed it. So, Brother Sister Hemus, would you come stand down here? I've, I've been twice now and served in what is known as AIM. I mentioned the other night, Elizabeth's now doing that. That stands for Associates and Missions. And... uh I've gone twice to do that. One first time was right after high school, and I went for about two months. And the second time, after Angie and I were married, we went to Africa. Nowhere near what a full-time missionary has experienced, but I seems to me, based on my experience and the observation of others, that one of the probably one of the biggest battles to face at times is the battle of loneliness, feeling alone even with great, wonderful people around you. 
So under normal circumstances, that's a challenge. And I, I, I'm sorry for putting you guys on the spot today. And I, would, I'm, I don't know about you. I'd rather just be dancing, shouting, and hanging from the fans. But leave it to me. I just... And I'm getting, in a moment, I'm going to open this altar because I don't think I'm just preaching to one person here today or two people or three. I really think there's probably a bunch of people. I just, I feel like that God wants to send you two off at least with the absolute certainty. He knows. He's not detached. He's not disconnected. He's not looking down from heaven on Tuesday when you board that airplane saying, about time you get back to doing what you're supposed to do. There is a, sorry, I I can't remember exactly how it says it. I just got to say it again. There is an experientially fellow feeling. I don't know what the next months hold and next years, but I just felt, I wish I had, I don't ever get, I don't feel like I ever get those really cool, neat, awesome words from God to tell somebody. But here it is. Somehow God would solidify in the two of you, and especially for you, Sister Sherry, that no matter the feelings and the struggles or whatever the future holds, that you can have the absolute certainty to know that He knows. Sister Angie, Sister Leanne, would you, a couple of you brethren, again, in just a moment, I'm going to open this altar and hopefully more of you are ready to respond to the Lord today because I feel like there's a bunch of people today He wants to confirm to you that He knows before we do that i just we're going to take a moment and focus on this wonderful couple and give god a moment when you can't find him sister hemus when you can't find him brother hemus when you look front you look back when you look left when you look right when you go to church and he's working but for you you just can't seem to find y'all find him i want you to remember that he knows when you pray and it feels like there's a roof that's got your prayers blocked in and they're not making it anywhere outside of that room that he knows he knows would you bow your heads and close your eyes if you're not already doing that I believe I, I again I realize I've singled them out for a moment but I also believe with all of my heart that the spirit of the Lord has come today not to just talk to one or two but there's a whole lot of people in this place today that it is His desire for you to know that He knows He's in front and He's behind not only is He in front and behind but His hand of blessing rests upon You don't have to move from where you are if you don't want to, but I open this altar to some more folks that you need.
for the sake of a step of faith, for it to be a demonstration of your faith, need to get out of your seat and step down to this altar today and let God have the opportunity to reassure you that I know where you are. I know what you're going through. I know what you're facing. And I am experientially feeling what you feel. He's not a spectator from the grandstands today watching you in what you're going through. He's not somewhere up in the nosebleeds of the arena looking down at you as you struggle through life. But He's got His hand upon you and He feels today what you feel. He sympathizes with you and what you're going through. And even if He does not change it or fix it, that does not change the fact that he knows he said I will never I will never leave you I will never forsake you your circumstances are not a testimony of God's abandonment of you. Your trials are not a sick is not an evidence that God has forsaken or neglected you. He knows, he knows, he knows. Oh Jesus. If you if you don't have a need to respond right now for yourself. If you don't have a need to respond for yourself, would you please be sensitive to the Spirit of the Lord? I see people throughout this sanctuary right now that God is touching and somebody to come alongside and minister to them would be a great blessing for them. He knows. I bind every lie of the enemy today. He knows. I bind every accusation of the enemy today. He knows. He knows. He knows. He knows. I can't find you, God. I've looked everywhere I know to look and I can't find you. But I trust that you know where I am. You know, you know, you know, you know. Let somebody feel that hand today on their soul. Let somebody sense the assurance of that hand resting upon their shoulder today. As you go before and as you come behind. And as you lay your hand of blessing upon us. be silenced today let the lie of the enemy be silenced today God because you know 
You know, you know where we are. You know where we're going. You know where we've been. You've got our days already recorded. The steps that we are taking may be unknown to us. The outcome of the path that we are on may be unknown to us. But it's not unknown to you. And you promised that it would all work together for our good. No, you know it. You know. You know, God. You know. You know where I am. You know the way that I take. You know the path that I'm on. You know what it holds for my future. It's not leading to something to destroy me. It's not leading to my destruction. But when you get done, I'm going to come forth as gold. In the name of Jesus. 